This episode is dedicated to the late Congressman John Lewis, who passed away from cancer on July 17th. We lift up the legacy that he has left our country. May we always walk in his example by causing good trouble. We also dedicate this episode to those children who were murdered while sentenced to the Dozier School for Boys. May your names be remembered and stories told. Colson Whitehead forces us to look through his magnifying glass disguised as his novel, The Nickel Boys. It demands us to wrestle with America's past, present, and our place in the future. Set in the 1960s, Jim Crow serves as the backdrop to trauma, police brutality, and unjust system through the eyes of an 18-year-old named Elwood Curtis. Ripped from the headlines, this story serves as a memorial to those children who endured barbaric treatment at the Dozier School for Boys for 111 years. Stay with us as we discuss the Nickel Boys on this episode of Forks and Fangs. All right, welcome back to Forks and Fangs. I am your host, Veronica, joined with the lovely... Danny! Miss Denny Wang. And, um... It's been a long time since we've talked to you all. We we missed you. Hello. Are you still out there? Are you still listening? Do you still want us <laughs> to do this? <laughs> um, we are happy to, to do this show again and uh, talk about a wonderful book. But before we get into that, because we always have some type of meal that complements our podcast, our book selection... Because of the heaviness of this book, we decided not to go with the meal, but we did get a drink. Um, the drink is called Black is Beautiful, and it was uh, an initiative that was started by a brewing company based in San Antonio, Texas, called Weathered Soul Brewery. And what they have done is they have asked breweries around the world to team up with them and creating a a, a beer that where all the proceeds from the beer 100% is dedicated to a local organization that deals with uh, police reform and legal aid uh, for those who um, who are in desperate need of it and um, it is a wonderful initiative and if you are interested in finding out more about how you uh, may be able to partake in this. Uh, you can go to blackisbeautiful.beer online and they will link you up with different bars and breweries around the country that have uh, decided to join them in this initiative as well as if you have your own brewing company you can uh, link up with them to get the recipe on how to create this wonderful wonderful beer it's a stout beer um it was absolutely delicious so i recommend that everyone go and do that and i got the beer from our local bar here in orlando from uh will's pub so shout out to will walker thank you hi will thank you thank you thank you for doing this for our community um i greatly appreciate it and i know um, that small businesses are struggling right now and yeah. this is a great way to support them and also support causes that uh, are near and dear to our hearts. So I, I really want to say thank you to him for that. So we shall, we shall start with our book. Yes, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So this book is very heavy. Um, it's a short book compared to his first one, but it did, it did, it did a lot of things to me to us um it's not a qu- it's not a question why this book won the pulitzer prize again mm-hmm. um so we start this book um with a with a student from usf by the way this book is you know from florida another reason why we chose this because we're from orlando florida shout out to the world <laughs> hi germany japan austria austria the Philippines. Um, yeah, so this is uh, this is a real story based on a true story from uh, Florida. 
and we started from uh, archaeology student from USF um, she was you know she was in this area and she just said that the dirt didn't look right and all of a sudden they found a burial of bodies mm-hmm. um, and they I think matched this um, these bodies and they're actually linked to real people um, in real life so with the the book is is it's inspired by the story of the Dozier school uh that is outside of that was outside of Tallahassee, Florida. And so the bodies that were found um there at the actual school, I think they said they they found about 55 bodies that they were able to identify. Mm-hmm. Um there were others um bodies that but they couldn't account for unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but this book does a great job in um, tying us to the true story of what has taken place. Yes. Um, so much so that I think I had trouble reading the novel as if it was a novel and not a true story. And not a true story. Like a nonfiction book. Yeah. Yes, because it's. <laughs> it was. It was a. It's definitely a heavy story. This is not a summer read. But I encourage you, if you have not read it, to do so. If you have the time, if you have the mental capacity to yeah. do it. Read it in parts. It's, it's broken down in parts anyway. So, you know, read a part, put it down if you need to, go yeah. watch a British Bake Off show. <laughs> or some cartoons. Yeah, or some cartoons, some anime. And then <laughs> come back to it. Go to the beach, something. Yeah. But it, it, it definitely, when you get to the ending, you realize why Colson Whitehead is a genius. We're going to get to that. Um, and why he definitely deserved the Pulitzer Prize for this, for this novel. Yeah. So yeah. our main character for this, uh, for this book is um, Elwood. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a boy that has uh, been tugging along with Grandma ever since he was six. Because he was a, not really a well, he was abandoned. Yeah. Let's let's just get to that. Mm-hmm. He was abandoned by his parents, um, so he's been living with grandma ever since. And grandma is working at the Richmond Hotel as a cleaning lady, um, and Elwood just hangs out in the kitchen, um, and that's that's his like little gig until he reaches like um, I guess his teenage almost his teenage years, and he decided to work in this like um, mom and pop convenience store, yeah, convenience store like any other kid would. Um, but you'd see how Elwood has his like morals and his beliefs um, integrated to him at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, this was because he loves and he adores and he absolutely wants to be in the likeness of Dr. Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. He received a gift. Um, I think it was for Christmas, right? For Christmas. Um, uh an album yes a vinyl that was what we started looking for a vinyl album of zion hill um and it was all like more you know dr martin luther king speaking about how to love how to fight and fight in love mm-hmm. and how to be forgiving still and how to be righteous in doing this fight mm. um you know he was always saying that oh not every white man is evil but you know there are some evil white men so you have to be, yeah, I, I guess, very particular or you have to hold yourself on a higher standard. So these people would see that you're also a human being just like them. Mm-hmm. So this was um, how Elwood was shaped as a child and how Harriet raised this, this child, you know, to be law-abiding, mm-hmm. to be respectful, to be good at school, to value those, those systems that are at play because... He was he was abandoned when he was young, so it's just you know Harriet and and grandson, so that's how you know it was a very pleasant pleasant I would say elementary days in school. He was smart, he got good grades, um, and things have changed though a little bit at the end of part one. Um, so we see him um, grow up in part one and mm-hmm. decide, you know, at the po- at the point that we we're meeting him, really truly meeting Elwood is when he's entered into high school year age. And um, he has a teacher who has inspired him Mr. Hill. to 
basically, you know, become an activist in his community. Mm-hmm. And he teams up with a, a school friend of his and, mm-hmm. you know, getting ready to go and do protest marches and things of that nature. And yes. he wants to do a sit in, I think, at Woolworth somewhere in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. Um, but his friend kind of discourages him because she knows that he has to work at this convenience store. He has this job and she wants him to keep up keep with with that job. Um, and he's working for a white man who owns this convenience mm-hmm. store. And uh, Mr. Marconi, the owner of the store, um, allows him to take the day off. He doesn't explain why. Yes. But I think, I feel like Mr. Marconi had an idea as to why he wanted yeah. that day so off. So he, you know, he he thinks highly of this, of Elwood. Mm-hmm. Um, despite, you know, the color difference. Mm-hmm. He respects, the you know, Harriet as a... As a grandmother, as someone that raised Elwood, he's like, oh, Elwood is a different type of person. He is, you know, noble, and he does all the right things mm-hmm. because his grandmother raised him right. Um, so, you know, Mr. Hill inspires him to do all the activism and stuff, and also Mr. Hill inspires him to go to college. Mm-hmm. And he actually got a... He actually got in into this... A scholarship into this very prestigious college, um, and he's able to take night classes while still going to high school. Yes, so he's able to take these college classes for free, and on for the, free for free. I wish that That's... was still a thing. So um, <laughs> he uh, is getting ready to go to school. Yeah, but he wanted to see the school, right? Right. He wanted to see the school before the he school starts, and uh, so he. <sighs> Attempt to take a bike ride yeah. out there, but his bike has given up on him. His bike is broken. So yeah, he um, his bike has failed him, and a car happens to pull up. Mm-hmm. This car, oh, this car, and it's a man who has offered uh, El Elwood a ride, and they get in the car and they start their journey. But all of a sudden, a police car pulls up behind yes. them. And the person who is driving the car asks Elwood, do you know me? And Elwood is like, no. Thinking that that was going to keep him from getting in trouble. But unfortunately, he's been tied to uh, this man who has stolen the vehicle. Mm -hmm. And so we are then pushed into chapter part two of this novel. where... Where we find Elwood has now been convicted of stealing a car. Yes. Uh, And because of his age, instead of him being sent to uh, a juvenile or prison, Mm -hmm. um, they decide that they're going to send him to a rehabilitation type facility um, that is called Nickel School for Boys. And um, so this is where we get into the meat of the book, the the heavy parts of the book. Yeah. Um, Elwood, uh, he meets a few characters uh, mm-hmm. in this story. Uh, there's Desmond. There's different people. Yep. But there's one boy in particular that he befriends who I think in a sense becomes... His best friend. His best friend and also like, you know, maybe like the co-main character. Not even like a side character. This is mm-hmm. a this is a main character as well of this novel. Um, and his name is Turner. Yes. So they befriend each other um and and what what seems like you know Elwood is given this whole breakdown of what you need in order to succeed at the nickel boys mm-hmm. at the nickel school for boys and to be able to quote unquote graduate yes. from this place is basically what is laid out by the head the head person his name is Spencer and he tells him you know there are different levels to mm-hmm. this um, and you know you're just trying to make it to mark each level but yes. if you do something wrong you can be demoted yes. and find yourself spending more time at this school mm-hmm. uh, so he thinks okay you know I can I can be able to push through this I'm yep. on my best behavior he's good at that exactly I'm going to do the right things and because he is under the guise that this is an actual school 
you know, he, you know, asked if there's any way that he can take, you know, advanced classes. Because remember, this child was trying to take college courses in high school, in high school. So he wants to take, you know, better classes. Um, but eventually he finds out that that's not going to be the case for him, that this mm-hmm. place that he landed out is, in fact, not a school. It's off the devil. It is. It is a horrendous place Mm -hmm. and um his first clue is is him trying to break up a fight yeah right so what happens in this fight he was in the bathroom he was washing his hands take i think it took a leak but he was uh breaking up a fight between this two um i guess burly like black boys and this little this little boy this little black boy so you know, being Elwood, the righteous human being that he is, it's like, oh, I need to stand up for the smaller guy. So he tried to stand up for the smaller guy. Some some white superintendent, no, not he's not superintendent, he's kind of like policing the area, so maybe like a guard or something. Mm-hmm. His name's Phil. So Phil saw them fighting. Phil didn't care who was doing what. He just saw boys fighting. So he was like, Spencer would take care of this. Spencer's the superintendent. And Spencer was like, okay, I guess it's just like, oh, we got to teach these boys some lessons. So nighttime came, everybody was sleeping. Elwood was robbed from his sleep. Mm. And he was taken into this, what this boys called the White House. It's this little kind of like shed looking thing in the middle of like the Nickel School of Boys. And this is where all the abuse happens. Yeah. Elwood was taken in at night was strapped um his hands were strapped it's really hard to talk about and describing this to you guys but i'm gonna try to do my best he and there was a mattress where he was laid up on and he was beaten up um he was i think he was beaten so much that he ends up passing out yes and he was he found himself waking up thankfully um in an infirmary um he doesn't even know if it was the day afterwards, a couple day afterwards, but he wakes up and in comes Turner and was saying like, hey, you know, how are you doing? Glad to see you alive. Oh, and by the way, I ate some soap so I can get out of work. And that's when they, you know, talk about, I guess the boys decided to know each other and that's where they, I think, started developing, developing a real friendship. Yeah. And what's interesting about Turner and, and how he ends up uh, in that infirmary, like you said, he he chose to eat soap because he felt that that was better than him having to deal with the stomach pain and the vomiting and, and such rather than him being out and working. And I don't think that Elwood had gotten to that point where he mm-hmm. was really, you know, a part of the whole working process. Yeah. And it so, was his first week at Nickel. And yeah. then he... He got into this quote unquote trouble again. Again, like without doing anything wrong. Like this is a recurring theme in this book. And you have to remember, like, he is trying to hold strong to the ideals that he had the belief system that he had created for himself by mm-hmm. listening to Martin Luther King's album and just feeling like, you know, the time there won't be long that he'll be able to, you know, get out soon enough. Yes. And be back into the world and doing what it is that he chose to do. And I feel like Turner is that person who's kind of like, no, oh, man. let me fill you in on what is actually happening in this place. Yeah, and like none of that, you know, it's kind of like El- Elwood was like in this bubble, in this mm-hmm. dream. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm zero now, but I'm going to be ace soon. Ace is the highest, um, you know, I guess level of this gra- before you graduate. And Turner was like, let me pop that bubble and let me tell you what, what is really going on mm-hmm, in this in this place. Because mm-hmm. that's some bullshit that mm-hmm. you're thinking about. And let me put you to the ground and tell you what's happening. So you got beaten up. It would happen again if you don't shut your trap and if you just don't mind your business. Right. So, so I guess through this through the second part, you know, they have these different experiences with each other, these different conversations. Mm-hmm. And... um. I th- I really feel like even though Turner has told him, you know, like, this is what you need to do, mm-hmm. uh, I think Elwood is still trying to hold on 
to host, you know, because he still has his mother. His grandmother is out in the world who's at trying to advocate for him. Mm-hmm. They hired a lawyer. She you know, comes to visit. She comes to visit. And, you know, some of the boys are jealous that someone has someone to come and visit them. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this in this prison, this basically a, a fucking slave camp mm-hmm. that these children have been sent to, mm-hmm. and um, so he he has this, and I think those are like moments of light for him. Like I feel like okay, you I know, fight. I can I can fight this. I can get out. It remo- kind of reminds me of the movie Life. I don't know if you've ever seen Life, but it stars Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence, and um, basically the same thing where. Martin Lawrence is like this upstanding person who is always trying to do right and I think he ends up trying to catch a ride and catches a ride with Eddie Murphy's character who is like selling moonshine they end up getting arrested mm-hmm. um, and sent to prison for life and so Martin Luther Martin Luther King <laughs> Martin Lawrence's character is always trying to get out you know, he mm-hmm. feels like, oh, you know, he he has gotten engaged before he got into prison, so he he feels like his fiance is gonna get you him know out. I watched this movie. Me and Basil were on a road trip, and he made me watch this movie. Yes, I watched this movie. That movie is fucking hilarious. Yes, not like this book though. No, <laughs> but the the the, the premise is the, the same. premise is basically the same of him thinking that he's gonna be able to, you know, to get out if mm-hmm. he just does what he the needs right to do. Thing. Yeah, yeah. And um, so as far as, like, the book goes, Turner essentially helps uh, Elwood not do the hard labor. Yeah. He uh, recruits him to join on the, like, community service. Yeah. Um, and which is them going out into uh, the real world. Yes. And painting and, and doing other things to help. The community, uh, essentially. And the community is nothing but white people who have been, like, uh, benefactors of what this school has put out. So mm-hmm. they get free slave labor, because mm-hmm. we got to call it what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also finds out that the food that they're supposed to be eating, the the school supplies that these boys are supposed to be using, all of those things are being sold Yes. out into the community and that money goes into the pockets of Spencer's superintendent and everybody else that's connected to this school. Yes. And so it is in that in that moment that you realize like this school is fucked up. It's not a school. It's not a school at all. And um the people who think that they're doing great by donating things to this school for those boys, essentially that stuff is being sold back to yeah. the community. Um, that is stealing those things from those children. Um, so he, but this is easy labor for them. Yes. And it also is an opportunity for to them get to get out and see the world. And Elwood is like soaking in all of these moments. Mm-hmm. And he decides that he's going to start journalizing everything that is that they're doing. Yeah. He wrote everything in his book and he's just keeping a log of everything. Um, and then we see, like, in chapter three, part three. I'm sorry, we need to stop calling chapters. <laughs> part three. Because <laughs> it basically, it opens up where you see Elwood in the future. Mm-hmm. And so it's a flash forward. Elwood is in the future. And he's got a girlfriend. He's living in New York. And so it he, just he, seems like this was this was the moment where you're like, oh, he, he got, got out. He got out. You know, we're he made it. He made it and we, you know, we're so thankful for this. And, but you can see that he's still, you know, he's struggling in certain bits yeah. of like being in that in that world. And he 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 kept going back to what Nicholas and you know he can't shake off the fact that it's kind of still haunting him. Right. Um, and he he wants to run away from this place, from this memory, as far as he can. But every he's reminded of it almost every day. Right. Um, he went he went all the way up to New York City because mm-hmm. he's like, oh, you know, people would always think that they would just go, they would just go s- south from where Nicholas. So he decided to go up north because nobody would look for him there. Mm-hmm. So he was he he was very, you know, closed off to the world, all kind of like, mm-hmm. and he just wanted to live his best life. He did he did. Um, 
have his own moving company. He's a businessman now. Mm-hmm. He 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 is flourishing, quote mm-hmm. unquote flourishing, because he has a you know a couple trucks. He has people underneath him, and he's the CEO. Mm-hmm. So he made a name of himself. He has his own money, um, and yet he's still you know still apprehensive about the world around him. Um, he met a couple people from Nickel, um, and he's he's not wanting to engage really with them. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, his first marriage was a failure. Um, Denise? Yes. He was married to Denise? I think Denise was just the girlfriend. Yeah, Denise was just the fucking girlfriend. She wasn't, she wasn't the wife yet, but I felt like there was a little trouble that he was having within that relationship. Of, I just felt like there was a little sense of that when she called his name. He mm-hmm. kind of was just like... Because it said that he grunted mm-hmm. after she called his name. And I just felt like even though he asked her to move in with her. There's a lot of commitment issues. Yeah, that there was something that he was struggling with. Yep. Yeah, but what I liked about this part of the the novel was, you know that Elwood and Turner, they're doing community service. They're Mm -hmm. going out in the real world. They're being left alone to their own devices. They're supposed to be like, you know, working Mm -hmm. and uh in these houses that most of the time the houses are are empty the people are not there they might be gone for a vacation or something and they have have been left alone by harper who is this young white boy who grew up um in the in that in that environment Mm -hmm. and um so i was always waiting for the moment where they would be like all right let's dip out we're out Let's just go. And, you know, there were a lot of conversations on, like, you know, how they would do it. And Mm -hmm. so there's a story that's told about a boy named Clayton who was able to break free from from the school. He escaped. And you're with him. You're just like, okay... You know, and I think this was probably like maybe 10 years prior to them coming to the school. I think it was yes. based in like 1952 or something. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, yes, he's he, he, he did it. He's He's got a mission. He's trying to get to Gainesville to where his sister has been sent to be at a school for girls. Mm-hmm. And um, he remembers that there are two bicycles that were left out. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm skipping ahead that he was able to get a hold of a bicycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and to take off and he he has no clue as to how to get to Gainesville but he just feels like it's only two hours away he didn't know how long that's going to take him by bike but he has to get the hell out of this place mm-hmm. and as he is going there is a van that comes up a car that comes up yes the cars the vans never trust them the car it was a car and it was a guy who was asking him like you know where you're going you know you, you know he was like you want to ride and he realizes that the person who is taking ha- has picked him up that he's thinking that this man is going to help him escape um is bringing him back because he is connected to this school Yes. And so he's brought him back and what they said they're going to take him to get some ice cream and that's code for basically they're taking him out to the White House and they essentially end up killing this child. Mm-hmm. So that's the story of Clayton. And so that is something that keeps people from escaping because you know there are times that uh, children just don't they just don't make it out. You're going to end up dead some way or form. So um, Turner has now told uh, Elwood about his plan on when he decides that he's going to escape. He's like, I know where I'm going to go. And the clue is to not take anybody with you. Yes. Because that is what's going to hold you back. Mm-hmm. That's what is going to keep you from being able to fulfill your plan when you have someone else that you have to take care of. So um, there are these like flash forwards and flashbacks in part three. Where you see, um, uh, where you see Elwood uh, in New York City, and there's one um, part of the story where we find him meeting up with 
a former student, a former boy yeah. that has been, had been sent to this school after he attends a watching a, a marathon. Mm-hmm. And um, they go to a bar and they're reminiscing about their time at Nickel. But this boy doesn't seem, can't remember um, Elwood for some reason. And he was a little bit disappointed because he was like... But he can't um, remember Turner. Because it's Elwood that he's talking to, but he can't remember Turner. So he's asking him, like, who is that other boy that you used to hang out with all mm-hmm. the time? I can't remember his name. It's such a, sh- you know, shame of what happened to him. And, you know, you you really don't know exactly, like, what what's going on? What is he talking about? Mm-hmm. What what happened? Because we're curious as to what happened with, with Turner and all the other boys at this school. And, um, you know this is i want to say this is probably like around the 80s mm-hmm. when he meets up with this guy and this is when drugs in america was really bad mm-hmm. and you could tell he said he could tell that he was probably either had just gotten off of something and he tells him that you know i'm clean i just need to find some work and elwood had as you mentioned had created that business yeah he was very very successful yeah but he refuses to to give hire him this guy. To hire, because he just doesn't want that connection to that school anymore. So if you have not read this book, we advise you to stop listening at this point because we get into a major spoiler. Yeah, no hard feelings. You can always come back. We're always here. We're here. I mean, it's a podcast, so We're you can stop. We're going to be here forever, ever, ever. Exactly. So um, go ahead, turn us off. Now, for those who did read the book... OMG. Girl, it's about to it's about to go down. So Denny and I kinda like have avoided this somewhat to a certain extent of talking about the big reveal at the end of this novel. So what did what did you think about how this story ends? Uh, how do we find out how this story ends? So how do we find out? <laughs> so for some reason, Elwood is again in the White House. Oh, no. That's not for some reason. There's a reason why Elwood is in the White House. Remember that book? <laughs> Remember that log that he's been doing? So, though... How did he get to the... Well... He... Well, there's... um. So, you know, there's a surprise... There's going to be a surprise visitor for um, for the school. They said, oh... Investigation. Um, the, these... Um, there's going to be this, like... The state investigators that are coming. Yeah, or, like, inspectors mm-hmm. that's going to that's gonna take a look on how the boys are doing, how they run this school, mm-hmm. where all the money is going. So everybody's, like, all of a sudden, like, oh, you know, let's clean this up, let's repaint, let's do all the things to make it look like a real school. And Elwood thought, like, oh, this would be my chance. This would be my chance to give, to give these inspectors my logbook of all the shit that I've been writing down that happens, that really happens at this school. This is all fake. I can tell them all of that. Mm-hmm. And he writes a letter to them. Yes. He writes all the things. A letter, a logbook, with the de- detailed accounts of what is happening inside this horrific school. Um, but, and I think he tells Turner about this. Mm-hmm. And what does Turner say? You are insane that shit crazy yes like you're writing a death sentence for yourself Mm -hmm. like there's no way out of this place you can write all the things but it doesn't mean that they're gonna listen to you Mm -hmm. you're gonna end up dead Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'm just looking out for you because you're my friend and i actually like you i want to i want you around but he doesn't listen to turner on the day of the inspection, there's these three people um, that were roaming around the school. Elwood saw them, and Turner was there when they saw this these guys. Turner did Elwood a favor, because Elwood can't function. He was just all over the place. Yeah. It was uncharacteristically of him to just be like a hot mess, I should say, because he was always cool and collected. Everything that's happening, he's like... I'm maintaining I'm maintaining my my inner zen. But on that day he he was he was all over the place. Turner was like, Give me that. 
give me give me all your materials and I'm gonna give it to them. Elwood was like, What? And he Turner was like, Yeah, I'm I'm gonna do your favor, I'm gonna give it to them. Let me take care of it, because you can't. So Turner ended up giving those materials to those, you know, highly respected people. And what's interesting about that part is that the um inspector, you know, they they gave these characteristics of what these people look like and um the main one that Turner ends up giving that letter to is said to have looked like JFK. <laughs> and so I thought that was interesting because, you know, JFK was so, you know, important to the civil rights movement in certain ways that I think that they associated him as to help them to like correct what was going on in that the liberation the liberation of these children to to fix what was happening at that school but unfortunately that is not the case news got back to the school about what they found and they realized that it was indeed Elwood who had written this letter that's his handwriting and he finds himself back in the White House at the White House and he, it was even worse than the White House because he was put in solitary confinement. Mm-hmm. But he was he was whipped senselessly, mm-hmm. uh, so much so that uh, when Turner went to go break him free, he didn't. He was he he didn't know what was going on. He was also unable to move. So mm-hmm. I'm reading this part of this novel, and I'm just like, how is he going to get him out? He's like in pain. He was basically paralyzed from the from the hip down. Yeah. And it was amazing because you could you could see that like the flight and flight response of people it just like clicked in Elwood where he was just like okay oh we're doing this yep. let's go you're breaking me free I gotta act I right gotta do something even though I can't feel my legs and they're in so much pain and they end up making it into getting uh into getting the um the bikes. They mm-hmm. remember, like, okay, these are the spots that we need to go to. And yeah. L- and um, uh, Turner and Elwood have left these bicycles out from after cleaning. Mm-hmm. They've left these bicycles out, and they're able to, okay, they get on these bicycles. They have a plan. They go to this empty house. You know, they get these clothes, and they head out. And yep. it seems as if they are about to, you know, make it until you see the van. The vans. The fucking vans again. And they just, like, break chasing off them. from. They start chasing them. They're shooting them with guns. Shooting two boys. <sighs> shooting two boys. And this is when we find out that one of them got shot and it was Elwood. Mm-hmm. Which you're just kind of like... What? what? How did? Oh, he must have survived the shooting then, right? We did a fast forward, and he was in New York City. And what? it turns out that Turner has to explain to his wife after his wife reveals, like, you know, the school. Can you believe this? This they found these bodies at the school, mm-hmm. and she's showing him, like, you know, the newspaper articles, and he basically tells. her Heard that, you know, what I've told you about my life is basically a lie. Yep. That my name is not Elwood, it is indeed Turner. Yep. Bum, bum, bum. And I've been in that school, and I'm just like, what? What? So Turner basically took the identity of Elwood Curtis and pretended that it was himself. What were your thoughts when you read that part? I told you, I reread it like three times. (sighs) I'm like, am I stupid? Am I not understanding this book? What is life? I was just like, wait, what? So, yeah, I have no words. I was just like, now it makes a lot of sense. It made a lot of sense. It it, it made a lot of sense because there were moments that were revealed, especially in the very beginning when we were talking about how um, the news had gotten out about these bodies being found and um elwood had heard this and you know he was like i don't understand why these people who attended this who were sent not attended but who were sentenced to this school um were having all of these like meetings as grown people to discuss their trauma he didn't want to talk about what happened to them at that school he even debated like killing spencer he like drove to this man's house in the dead of night and just watched him, you know, in through his window, 
and thought about killing him and then changed his mind. And I feel like that was a sense of us getting to know that that was not that was not Elwood. Yes, that that was Turner because Elwood had had would have never. Um, pro- I don't think he would have ever like gotten to that space where he debated killing someone. Yeah, because like in the beginning of the novel, like it establishes like Elwood being a very righteous human being. Right. Like he lives off. Martin Luther King's like speeches, mm-hmm. like he knows Zion Hill from like start like verbatim. To yes, yeah. So you know, like just a change of care. Like if you're just reading to read, but if you're not really paying attention, I've missed it. Mm. And I have to go back. And I'm like, wait, what? What is going on? Because like you were presented with two different people almost. Like how is that? You know, Elwood of like um, of Nickel be this a different Elwood in New York City but you're like oh because he had trauma oh he doesn't want to go back but if you really think about it Elwood would have gone back and would have been talking to those people Elwood would have um in you know initiated different things for justice because he was trying to do that all the way up until the moment he died like yes he was just kind of like he understood that if I tried to escape I could possibly die mm-hmm if uh but if i'm able to destroy the nickel school from within that would be the greatest yeah. thing that i could ever do i can not only you know i'm not only saving myself but all of these other people too mm-hmm. so that's why you know i think it made an impression on me when turner said you can only do this by yourself because mm-hmm. you can't take any other human mm-hmm. being but for elwood it's like this is a battle for everybody mm-hmm. i have to include everybody it just can't be myself so when you know he was a as as a grown adult like the, his new the New York Elwood quote unquote Elwood, is avoiding all of this. It's it's so it's almost seemed like a different person. Right. I did not know what was the reasoning for that, but the ending of part three explains to you why. And I I initially thought oh maybe it's just because he's gotten to a place where he doesn't want to talk about this stuff anymore yeah, and it, he's grown know, and trauma is real oh yeah so oh, yeah. this is you know maybe this is part of his coping mechanism maybe it's going to be explained to later you mm-hmm. know why he's acting as such mm-hmm. but this is because it it almost seemed like it was when when the story is unfolding it's almost seemed like something happened to turner because mm-hmm. elwood survived but i guess it happened to elwood and turner took everything that was Elwood to make him he he took his name and you know he was like let me take this name on let me go and forge this new life in this new city (laughs) but he was always constantly feeling as if he was always going to be on the run yeah and so when this news got out and he decided that he was going to go back uh, and visit this school Yep. That even he even battled with the fact of like, would there be the possibility of him getting arrested? Yep. I mean, you know, to to have that fear after all of that time of a place that is that's no longer functioning that they destroyed. Mm -hmm. You know, it it amazes me how fear can can affect us on a on a on a daily on a daily level where this man thought about this school all of the time. Yeah. And he couldn't really truly enjoy his life with his wife. It wasn't until he actually was just like, okay, this is who I am. This is what happened to me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a lot to share with someone. Mm-hmm. And um, I felt like that was his moment of him like finally seeking that Get, or not even seeking, but gaining the freedom that he always that's wanted his, for himself. Yeah, that's his true freedom right mm-hmm. there. Because he's been hiding. That's why he was trying to avoid everybody and anybody from that school or has any association from that school. Because mm-hmm. somebody can be like, oh, no, you're not Elwood. You know, it could take, like, one person, and then, poof. You're right back. From where you started. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So, it's it still is haunting this story is still kind of like haunting me and i think it would continue to it would definitely leave an it left a very very um deep impression on me Mm -hmm. same 
Because first, this is not a fiction. This is a fiction story, but it's based on real life. Right. So there could be a lot of Elwoods, Turners around. I live in Florida. They could be around me. Mm-hmm. It, they could be anywhere. And they're, you know, living and they have stories to tell. And it's just the hate and the amount of injustice that people can do. It's unimaginable. Recently, there's a story of a young girl who has been sentenced um, to juvenile. Uh, she was out on probation, but she didn't. She wasn't able to turn in her work, her homework, mm-hmm. for school because the pandemic fucking broke out mm-hmm. and it just fucked everything up. So, because she was unable to do that, um, the the judge sentenced her to go back to juvenile and so you're like wait a minute you you are sending this child to jail because she didn't do her fucking homework her homework this is how uh brown and black children are treated every single day where you can be i mean we live in the capital for that where counties around us including orange county because we live in orlando florida Mm -hmm where they have taken six-year-olds and four-year-olds to jail yes, because of a behavioral issue. Mm-hmm. Because a child is having a temper tantrum. All children have temper tantrum. Yep, They all do. At some point, someone's going to have a temper tantrum. But the, the school resource officer thought it was in the best interest of the school for them to arrest this child and send them to be in the back of someone's police car and taken down you know those 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 things let you know like they see us in a whole different light mm-hmm. and um they don't see us as humans they don't see us as the same nope. and and the and the fact that we are still having to deal with this injustice all these years later it scares me it really scares me because i have a i have a child I have a, I have, I have a son. So while reading this novel, I was just shaken, because you know, as a parent, you try your very best mm-hmm. to raise your child the right way. Elwood, I think, was raised very well by Harriet. He was just at the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. What, what if that would happen to my child? That has happened to a lot of people's child, a lot of people's sons and daughters. And that feeling, I think, is very hard to explain to somebody that has never seen injustice. Right. That has never even experienced racism, has never experienced being in a different, I guess, situation where people are just like, "Oh, you're 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 different from us." You know, that is very difficult for people that have grew up in privilege. And also for those who have found themselves in that situation but have been afforded the opportunity to, "Oh, you just get parole." Yeah. You know, or or mean probation. You know, you're 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 able to just have probation and just go and you do this community service and then you're done. Or you know, your parents have a lot of money and they can get a lawyer who's a very good lawyer and able to get you out of out of that situation mm-hmm. because you know when you have money, you have power. Yep. And so you're dealing with a lot of people who are not in that situation and they find themselves having to deal with the system that is unjust and not built for not built for them to be able to be quote unquote rehabilitated which is what they say jail is supposed to be Mm -hmm. which essentially is not that you know because you're dealing with systems where these children were having to work for this the community in which the school resided Mm -hmm. right they're giving them free labor this is stuff that happens today yeah. You know, I worked in a school system um, where if we wanted something mass printed, like, say, a huge banner, 
this print job would be done by the prison that was up the street from this from this from the county within the county so you know you're sending money and getting things done from this prison where it it just boggles my mind that you know you have prison systems that will create license plates or mm-hmm. you know things everyday things that we use it could be this fucking pen that that's in my hand right now mm-hmm. that has been created some parts of it at a local prison mm-hmm. you know so stuff like that where you're where you're saying okay we are going to sentence you to this place so you can get your mind right Mm -hmm. so you can serve the time of the crime that you've committed which is usually inflated for brown and black people Mm -hmm. and and then when you come out you have to be on your best behavior but are not given the tools necessary in order for you to create the life that they say that now you have to live Instead, you're being looked down upon, and then there's more prejudice upon you when you come out. Exactly. You can't get a job. They just recently changed the law in Florida, so now felons can vote. But now they just ruled that even though felons can vote, they can't vote if they owe money. So all those court fines... All the money that you owe because of a crime that you committed and you, you know, let's say you robbed somebody and now you owe this Mm -hmm. money for, for that crime and you don't have that money coming out of jail. Now you can't vote. It's kind of like, what is, what is going on? You tell me that you, we can vote, but now you're telling me I can't vote if I owe money. Yep. The world is a trap. That's my pessimistic side. Mm-hmm. The world can be seen as a huge trap. And I think that what Colson Whitehead was trying to attempt to and did so eloquently with this novel was to show us that, yes, the world is a trap. But it is necessary for us to continue to speak up against those injustices that occur on a daily basis. That despite if you were doing the right thing and just was in the wrong place or if you were doing the wrong thing in the wrong place Mm -hmm. that nothing justifies what happens to you when you get sent to places like this place yeah because you you know you're not nobody has the right to murder you Mm -hmm. or rape you or even hurt you you know if it's not accounted for like it that's why this book is really hard to explain to somebody that hasn't read it you can be like oh yeah i read this book this is about this and that those are school of boys but that's kind of like that sen- that that sentence is always very heavy it carries a lot that has different layers to it because it's a reform school about kids behaving misbehaving mm-hmm. was elwood really misbehaving he wasn't no nope it you know, it talks about more than that. It talks about injustice, racism. Yeah, mind you, on this in this book, the boys were segregated. So the white boys and the black boys were, you know, segregated. And there this comes this Latino boy, Jamie, Jaime. <laughs> Who is having to go, he's being shuffled between Back both these worlds, right? Back and forth. And, you know, he, and that's kind of like a struggle of being a brown. And I, that's why I was like, huh. It was kind of, like, to me, it was kind of, like, comical at some point. Mm Because I was like, you know, a lot... I'm the fairest brown person you'll ever see. So, but I don't... I don't... People still see me as different. Which I'm fine with. Because I don't want to be... You know, I want to stay in in my lane. And I know who I am. And I want my son to feel the same way. Mm -hmm. So... But it doesn't mean that because I'm the fairest brown person that I get away with all that shit, too. Right. Nope. It's, you know, you... There's a lot of discrimination still happening in the world that I live in. Mm -hmm. It comes from everybody. Um, So I identified with Jamie because it was like, you know, I kind of bounce back. You know, I'm I'm white sometimes and I'm black sometimes. Um, But it's interesting how... 
you know, this little book is trying to explain the world to you. And if you just see it as a, another story, then you're really missing out on a lot of things. Right. Um, he is, he wrote this heavy book in such a light story. Like, you know, his wordings are not deep. He's just saying it like, you know, it was a very, very straightforward prose. Like, this is what happened today. This is what we're ending the story. You know. But there was also a beautiful... There was... He had done it in such an eloquent fashion. Because yes. there were ways that he would write something that you might not have picked on when you first read exactly. it. But when you got to a certain part, it made you... It forced you to go back and you're like... Because remember, I was, I was asking you very early on in the novel. I'm like, wait a minute. At the very beginning in the prologue, did they say that that was Elwood? Like, is that Elwood? Mm-hmm. And that was way before I had gotten to the ending. Yep. And it made me wonder, okay, let me go back and see. I just want to make sure that Elwood's name is in it because I didn't know if it was like an uh, a person that, whose name never gets mentioned. Mm-hmm. Because, it, you know, I was always on this mission of finding out what happens to these boys mm-hmm. at the end. You know, I wanted both of them to have made to it escape. out. yeah. And it's unfortunate that it's... I wanted all the boys to escape. I wanted all of them just to, like, revolt. They could have... They could have done that. They could have revolted. Because it wasn't that many people who was on on that campus. But the thing is, like, because you... Because you planted a seed of hate. And you planted a seed of, like, oh, you all are very different from each other. Even in jail, Mm -hmm. those boys feel it. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, like... I I have no words, as you can see. Because I was just like, if these boys realized that they're all just being treated unfairly, Mm -hmm. they would have succeeded. Yes. But these adults would tell them, oh, you are different from that white boy. And this is different from your black boy. That's why why the world is crazy. Exactly. Because we teach our children that. And this book is telling you that you need to stop that bullshit. Right. Because if we don't stop it, then... We can't unite and overthrow this bullshit system. That is the only way. And I feel like we have now gotten to that place where we're starting to understand, oh, we have to work together in Mm -hmm. order for us to make this world better. And I think, you know, like with the fact of us seeing... All of these, uh, the all of the protests that have been sparked all over the world. Shout out to Portland right now. If you are in Portland and you're listening to this, I, I just want to say thank you for what it is that you all have been doing out there and what has been sent to that city. I wake up every morning with fear of what has this man in office done today? Mm-hmm. What is he going to say? What is he going to implement that is going to change us for the worse? And when he sent those federal officers to Portland, I knew we we're in a different game right now. Mm-hmm. And so what you are saying about how it is important for people to recognize like we are in this shit together and the only way that we can overcome this system is for us to be on a united front Yes, and it could have definitely happened in that school if all of them were like we have, all of us have got to get out of this place we're dying, we're literally dying these are teenagers, these are essentially grown men Mm -hmm. so you know there's a part of the book where do, they do boxing matches. These children are not weak. These children are strong, burly guys that can take on the world. And if they just realize that, and if they just, oh, you and I are not different, we could do this. Mm-hmm. They would have destroyed that school year two. Mm-hmm. But instead, it ran for 111 years. 111 years, these kids were being mistreated, killed, raped, abused. I was watching footage of um, an interview. I did. I watched a lot of interviews with Colson Whitehead, 
and uh, one was with CBS Sunday Morning, and it asked him, you know, about like what this this book being based off of Dozier had he gone to visit the school, and he talked about how he had it on his calendar. You know, mm-hmm. that's what a writer does when you're when you're writing Research. something that's by, based on something real. You got to go and do the work, but he kept putting it off because he didn't want to go. This is not what a place that he wanted to go visit. He said that if he had gone, he would have torched it to the ground. He would have bulldozed it. He would have done something to it. So it was best that he had not gone. Mm-hmm. And um, they also interviewed a former um, uh, a student who was in the, that particular school. And this man, I can't remember his name, but he's now a preacher. Mm-hmm. And he talked about how... He said he called it what it was. He said this was a slave operation. Yeah. This was this was straight up slavery. What they had us doing, what they did to us. And he said, I remember I was working and they wanted me to throw something away out back into mm-hmm. this pit. And he said, I went to go throw the stuff out in the pit. And when I threw it out in the pit, I saw a boy's hand. And he mentioned it to someone. And he said, if you keep talking about that hand you're gonna find yourself being in that pit one day that would be your hand and it was like him warning him like you know this isn't this is not our world anymore mm-hmm. this is not for this is not a place that is going to be treating us like humans nope you know they they will put us in the ground so you gotta watch your mouth mm-hmm. and it's it's a school that just closed not too long ago because of quote unquote budgetary reasons. Twenty fourteen. They closed it and only combined it with the juvenile justice system in in the state That's of Florida. So crazy. Florida, so man, that just lets you know this is something that could have continued to go on for years and, and nobody years and known. years and no one would have known. No one would have known. Florida, you gotta do better, man. The world got to do better. We got to start with Florida. Florida's at the shits. We have to really start talking about what true rehabilitation looks like. And one one good person that I know that I've met personally that has dealt with this issue, her name is, I think her last name is Kane, but she has recently gotten married. But her first name is Tonier. Um, I'm going to put her information up. Uh, in the description box for this particular podcast but and I hope that one day that we can have her on here because she's written a book about her life and dealing with trauma Mm -hmm. and um, drug abuse and what what real rehab looks like uh, in the prison system Mm -hmm. Um, and so um, these are things that we need to start discussing um, about what we can do for people who because people are going to do shitty things. Yeah. And we're I just not, want you all to understand. We're not saying that it's right. That it's not right. And mm-hmm. I also want, you know, because there are people who have dealt with trauma. Yeah. And I and I understand what it is to deal with trauma. I'm talking about that we have to deal better with those who have endured trauma because of making some mistakes that could have simply been not doing their fucking homework. Yeah. So, you know, let's talk about that. Let's have that discussion. And I, I just want to say thank you to Colson Whitehead for writing this novel here. Yeah. So, like, how how would you rank this this novel? Like, how many fangs are we giving this novel? 111 fangs. There you go. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. It's, it gets all the fangs. This, this is deserving of... We, I think we should craft him like a fang award <laughs> and send it to him. We, we can because it's better than the Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> yes, because it's from the people. It's from the people. The People Choice Award. The People <laughs> Choice Awards for Vulgar Genius. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely five fangs from us. Yes. Yeah. I was, I've always wanted to read his books. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, we should pick the Nickel Boys because, you know, it's in Florida, and it's, let's be honest, his first novel is probably twice as thick as this. And I'm just like, okay, we can pace ourselves. We can start with the Nickel Boys. <sighs> Man. It's, it's a, it's a It's grand- small. 
but it's heavy. Yep. It's a it's a grand awakening because like you never know what's happening around you mm-hmm. until you fucking listen mm-hmm. and until you fucking pay attention. Because mm-hmm. if not, you're gonna miss the world, and you're never gonna improve as a person. Exactly. And you're never gonna learn the lessons that you need to learn in life if you don't pay attention. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. On that note, we thank you for joining us on our TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> And we really hope that if you haven't read this book, um, and I know if you've gotten to this point all the way through, even despite the spoiler, we still encourage you to read this amazing novel. Yeah, um, there's there's more cursing in this podcast than ever before. <laughs> hey, we're vulgar Jesus for a reason. You know, it's it was really hard to talk about this book, but thank you for, you know, listening, pushing through with us. It's one of our most, probably the most difficult conversations that we've had in vulgar yeah um and i think the conversation would be would still go on until until it's done until and we I, meet colson whitehead oh, colson please shout if out listening if you're listening we love you we want to talk to you um and also you know we hope that this novel encourages you to do some work mm-hmm. um in helping people uh find freedom um, and be released from from traumatic experiences that they may have experienced while yes. being locked up in in jail or prison. Yep. Yeah. So, um, we thank you. Yeah. Thanks. For listening <laughs> on this heavy on this heavy episode on our TED talk. So I guess we are we are out. We're out. See see you in the next month. We have more exciting we have more exciting things to talk about. That's right. So stay tuned. See you later. Bye, y'all. We hope you enjoyed our show. Follow us on Instagram at Vulgar Geniuses Book Club. Our theme song was produced by Sean Kantrowitz. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Sean Dammit. That's spelled S-E-A-N-D-A-M-M-I-T. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. See you next time. Deuces.